You're listening to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jared Smith. Welcome to the Higher Ed Marketing Lab. I'm your host, Jared Smith. Each episode, it's my job to engage with some of the brightest minds in higher education and the broader world of marketing to uncover actionable insights that you can use to level up your school's marketing and enrollment performance. In this episode, we'll be talking about how to give feedback on creative work. Whether you're reviewing designs for a web page or draft copy for your next recruitment campaign, the quality of your feedback can be the make-or-break factor that elevates the work and energizes the team or sends them spiraling off into unfruitful territory. Joining us to help get on the path to better, more constructive feedback is Echo Delta's creative director, Rachel Newell. Rachel is an internationally awarded creative leader whose work includes some of the most recognized brands in the world. We cover how to prepare to deliver feedback before you walk in the room, how the idea of creative thrashing can help you avoid drastic feedback late in a project, Rachel's go-to framework for evaluating creative products, and how to lead with positivity without over-relying on formulaic rules like the feedback sandwich. This was a great conversation and will be helpful for anyone looking to hone their ability to deliver solid feedback that keeps the work moving forward. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Rachel Newell. Rachel, welcome to the show. Well, hey, Jared. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to <laughs> have this conversation. And we're like in person. Yes, it's, it's um, we're you back. know, I'm feeling good about it. Feeling good, still transitioning, but it's yeah. lovely to see you in person. Yeah, it's good to be like breathing the same air and not totally freaked out about yeah. that. So. I mean, I'm mildly freaked out, but you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's good. It's It'll good. take another year to get over that. Yeah. So super excited about today's topic. We're mm -hmm. talking about how to give better feedback on creative work. Mm -hmm. Before we jump in that conversation, I'm wondering if you could give us just a quick little snapshot of your creative background, because I think it's super relevant to this conversation and kind of what you do here with us. Yeah. So uh, from the top, my name is Rachel Newell. I'm the creative director uh, here at Echo Delta. So I come from a graphic design background. So um, went to school for graphic design, absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, I love the range that it is. So I've been able to do editorial design, packaging design, found my way into advertising, which that's a huge beast in itself, and started doing all sorts of integrated marketing. Yeah, did some work in New York City, done some work here in Central Florida. So definitely have worked with a lot of different interdisciplinary teams um, from different creative backgrounds. So yeah, I'm with you. Kind of honing your skills of giving sort of constructive creative feedback. I don't know. It's a tricky thing. And it, it's a lifelong skill worth honing. So yeah, I was um, when I was prepping for this um, conversation, I was doing a little bit of homework and I had forgotten about all the websites that are out there about bad creative feedback oh, no. that designers <laughs> yeah. and copywriters have gotten over the years. There's yeah. some really hilarious stuff out there. No, there's um, some good my, tumblers. Yeah. Um, okay. So the format for our discussion, I've challenged both of us to come up with three things mm -hmm. that we would want or suggest that other folks think about when they're delivering feedback on creative work to their teams. I'm gonna let you go first. And right. we have not, for the record, compared notes beforehand. So we might have, I don't know, we might have identical 
topics. Or I might have just gone rogue and not understood. Anyway, we might have some serious editing to do is what you're saying. Okay. All right. I'll see if I can diplomatically deliver some feedback after. (laughs) See, this is a meta exercise. This is a meta episode. All right. All right, Rachel, you're up first. Okay. Uh, All right. My, my sort of initial things, if I had to boil it down to where to start to give better creative feedback is actually with yourself. And to make sure that you're going into critiquing whatever project, knowing as much of the history to the project as possible. So um, often, hopefully, you're, you know, the designers or, you know, web designers or whoever have a creative brief. And I think it's super, super helpful just to take a beat, do your own homework, read through that creative brief or remind yourself, refresh yourself about that creative brief. Um, So, right, you can kind of like jump into the conversation with the creatives with the same sort of background knowledge of, you know, what are the limitations? What, what, what was the big ask? Maybe what's the big problem? That way you kind of can skip over saying like, hey, well, why didn't we do this? And then they're like, well, they said not to do a postcard or they said not to do X, right? You can kind of yeah. not have to have that, that sort of stumbling mm-hmm. into having to catch up. Because that's actually been, I think, something that I've experienced is the biggest hiccup and kind of getting into a good, trustworthy flow of giving creative feedback is just jumping in, doing your homework, and not having that creative who's having to receive the feedback have to start to explain the whys and the why nots. Yeah. that makes any sense? Yeah, it's going to have a lot of that kind of foundational knowledge. Yeah. And I feel like that gets just more and more important the more projects you have sort of in the queue, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it in three weeks and you're circling back for right. a review, just kind of refreshing on what were we doing? Why were we doing this? Right. What did we all agree to? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Should I keep going? Oh, I want to go next. Okay, yeah, all right, I like all right, this. You I might, like this. All right, all right. I like this. So, well, I, I'm picturing, um, oh, you're a Jimmy Fallon fan, right? Uh-huh, so uh-huh. the the musical wheel of, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm into it. <laughs> all right, so I'm okay. a big uh, Seth Godin fan. Okay. And of course, he's written a million books, but years and years ago, I read this book from him called Lynchpin, mm-hmm. and he talks about this idea of creative thrashing. And so imagine in your mind, there's like the timeline of your project, this nice little thin line. Every time you have a peak or sorry, a tweak or a pivot or a change or some sort of discussion about different, you know, alternatives and that sort of thing, it creates a little ripple on the line. And mm-hmm. he's like, you know, it almost looks like a seismograph. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, if you think about the timeline of your project, mm-hmm. you want all of that seismographic action, all the creative thrashing to happen on the front end of the project. Mm-hmm. And it should slowly shake out as the project progresses mm-hmm. and you have less and less thrashing. And, and, you know, he said, like, this is how professional creators create. They mm-hmm. know to get all the messy conversations done on the front end, mm-hmm. because once you're in execution, big changes just have such a big impact on certainly on, on can have a big impact on like time and budget and that sort of thing. But they, you know, they have, it creates opportunities, uh, increased chance to miss deadlines or introduce, if it's a technical project, maybe introduce bugs that you didn't Mm -hmm. think through. Um, uh, and uh, honestly, I think we've both seen that if there's a lot of thrashing towards the tail end, it just demoralizes the yeah. team because they lose energy. And yeah. this one, I think, is so important in that it's going to make your conversations easier if you kind of keep this in mind from the start of the project. So 
I think there's kind of a couple of ways teams end up thrashing. The first one I thought about was just the old classic swoop and poop, or maybe <laughs> uh, some really influential, important person was yep. left out of the process and they get brought in right at the tail end yep. and they say, whoa, 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 hold on, this is horrible. How did you get here? Yeah. I feel like most people listening to this probably aren't making that mistake. They're organizationally savvy enough to avoid that one. But I think the sort of sneaky way this works in is that in a good creative process, you're not going to jump right into execution, right? Like mm. you're going to have, it's going to be kind of baby steps towards some sort of finished product. I feel like if you did it right, then um, nobody's going to be super surprised about how you got to that finished execution. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Mm. The people that commissioned the project, mm. the project sponsor, they're never the people doing the work. So if you're like, a senior leader at a school, you probably had to fight. You you first recognized that there was a problem mm -hmm. that was worth addressing. Mm -hmm. You probably had to go through all sorts of, you know, jump through all sorts of hoops to secure the budget and the will mm -hmm. and the focus to like solve that problem. Yep. And then you finally bring it to your internal team, your agency, and you're like, let's go. I've been waiting forever. We need this like yesterday. Yep. And well, what do you mean you want to do the, this concepting work we on the front end. We gotta talk about it and let's explore. Yeah, let's explore and, different yeah. alternatives. And yeah. I can imagine that, that that can, if it gets excessive, could feel a little bit like nails on a chalkboard. So I feel like sometimes, not always, but sometimes there's a little bit of pressure to like maybe cut some corners on the mm -hmm. front end. Come mm -hmm. on, or, or even if they agree to go along with the process, they may not give the early stages the focus it deserves mm. and they might mm -hmm. save some of that because it doesn't look it's hard to see where it's going mm -hmm. but sometimes i don't know i feel like that early part of the project that's where you eat your vegetables it's not necessarily good looking but there's a lot of that foundational work yeah well and it's so. like you're saying but that's where you need going back to the schism uh sort of chart visual yeah, that yeah. you kind of painted it's it's that thing too where it's you know leaders the the people who are involved in sort of the leadership level of um, either motivating the creatives or even that liaison between the client and account and everything where we do need to encourage those conversations and that questioning and, and everything like that. So all those schisms, all that yeah. conversation does happen on the upfront. And I mean, I, I know now we're, we're kind of going into like, how do we even get to critiquing creative work? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Even talking about like that step before we start uh, critiquing creative work. Um, I, I think that's that's part of the like totally respecting all the work that happened before we even got the creative brief, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and yeah, and I think it's just about I think even what I was talking about of like doing the homework. I mean, even encouraging the client to share all of their homework, right? So we have a better understanding that we don't sort of spin our wheels in an area where they were like, whoa, 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 why'd you even do that? Hold on, like yeah, we shouldn't have even touched that area. Um, or hey, we've done that five years ago, we want something new. So again, I think it's just that homework, like kind yeah. of digging in, um, in the homework too of, you know, we get really excited about the creative. We get really excited about, okay, how does it come together? What is that final polished thing? But it's interesting that both of us, our first points were, 
Hold on, before we start even c- talking <laughs> colors and type, let's just, let's get everybody in the same brain space, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's surprisingly hard to do, especially when you have like lots of different folks from lots of different disciplines. And I think like, you know, you and I, of course, we're operating within an agency environment, but mm-hmm. the, all this like totally applies to the internal team. Yeah. Sometimes I think even more so because I think when people hire an agency, they kind of expect, yeah, there's going to be a process and mm-hmm. there's going to be a thing that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's why we brought them in. But sometimes yeah. the internal team is almost more like the creative vending machine of Mm. we're keeping the the trains moving on a day-to-day basis and so there may be even more of a temptation to kind of skip over some of that preliminary let's just all get on the same page let's share the same brain space and make sure we're all online yeah cool before we move on to the next you, you made me think about vocabulary too oh yeah and I didn't write this down, and I should have. So I'm going to sneak it I've in. I've got a whole thing oh, on man. it. Oh, man. Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Because I think it dovetails. I think what we're starting to talk about, like if it's, you know, we talk about this sort of like uh, like high-level philosophical, we all need to be in the same brain space and know the <laughs> what history. Does that mean? It's like, what? Did it, okay, how? How do we do? How do you make that tangible? Um, and the first way, I think, and I think this happens, I think, with an internal team, you start to get that shared language that we can just kind of, get each other a little bit quicker. And it's not thinking the same way. We're always challenging each other's perspectives and challenging different and better ways to leverage technology to get to better solutions. But right, there's just a shorthand that kind of helps. Yeah, that I think just kind of naturally arises when you have a team that's worked together for quite a while, you know, yeah. and you, yeah, you just get there faster. Number two, Okay, what you got? It's oh, your turn. Well, I'm wondering if yours is vocabulary. Okay, well, number that's two. Okay. Um, so I think because we're doing a lot of, um, sort of website redesigns as of late, my brain immediately went to sort of visual design Mm -hmm. for creative feedback, but also this applies to copywriting, you know, this applies even though some people might not think it's like sexy creative, but like wireframes and everything. Oh yeah. Uh, the good old hierarchy, Mm -hmm. like what is, what is like the, the core goal, what is the core messaging, what's the core visual, um, and then what needs to be secondary elements. And so with giving better creative feedback, I think walking into it, asking yourself when you review work, what's creating clarity? Another way of saying what's working, right? Mm -hmm. What's creating clarity for me? What am I understanding? And then what elements are causing confusion? And you just need to note it. You don't need to fix it. You don't need to tell the UX designer or the copywriter or the designer, like, like this is how I would change it, but maybe just tee up, hey, this is causing confusion for me. Mm-hmm. Help me figure out why that is. But all of these things I have clarity around. All these things are making sense. I feel like they're working well together, but this is creating some confusion. And I think using that language for me helps create a dialogue where you're not dictating how to fix it, but you're kind of just opening up for that person who's actually creating with all the considerations I went into that project to kind of be like, okay, cool. So if that's a sticking point, how do I need to reimagine this whole project potentially? Or, oh, that sticking point? Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Move that over this way or put a comma here. Maybe it's a quick fix, but you give that power to them to kind of solve. Yep. So No, I think that's a really good one. You bring up the point of when you recognize something that needs to be addressed, not not jumping straight to the solution. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I had a bad habit of doing, I still do that sometimes, but I try not to, and try to be very aware of it when I do. Yeah. Cause I, um, understand that that can be extreme, that can be really overwhelming 
mm-hmm. for a designer. Mm-hmm. And then, or any anybody who's invested years and years in honing their craft, and they're probably thousands of decisions that brought them to the point where they are now. And there's things that you've never even dreamed of that they were thinking about that yeah. are culminated in this end product. And so you think it's a simple thing. Yeah. Why don't you just make that red? Yeah. And they're like, they could probably ADA compliance. Uh, yeah. Hold on, it's here's not on like, brand. Here's it's, 25 yeah. reasons why yeah. I ruled out making that background red, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So you brought up vocabulary. The one I thought of was the value of like learning a little bit of lingo. Yep. I feel like no matter what your role is, it's just really good to understand a little bit about sort of the big important things about your counterpart's sort of world. And you don't have to be an expert in every discipline that's represented at the table. I kind of describe it as like cocktail party knowledge. Mm-hmm, like you've mm-hmm. got a good sort of working knowledge. You, mm-hmm. you don't know enough to actually do it yourself, mm-hmm. but you understand what the big ideas are. So like if you were talking with a designer, it means to me having sort of just a working knowledge of things like alignment and contrast and a little bit of knowledge about color theory and, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe just a little knowledge about typography and different categories of type and some of the principles that designers use to make the choices that they make. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're talking, you know, copywriting, um, you know, maybe understanding a little bit about headline tactics and, social mm-hmm. proof and and uh well and know, also calls to action and stuff like that yeah and i think just showing some copywriter love i think also thinking through like different adjectives that they use to describe different writing tones i know yeah. sometimes we say friendly or welcoming or but then we run short and so you know reach out to your copywriter and say hey what are the different ways that you describe tone so i can be better at facilitating and critiquing yeah work. totally yeah So I think when you have like a little bit of knowledge, I think that does a few things. Um, Number one, I do think it just gets you a little bit of credibility and respect from the team because it's showing respect for their craft. Mm -hmm. And from more pragmatic standpoint, it's just more efficient and precise to use the language that a particular craft uses. So like I, I thought of some examples of like things you might say to a designer. You can let me know what you think about this, but... I was like, you know, you might be looking at a, a design and say, think to yourself, man, this is really hard to read. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't want to, um, again, stopping short of like teeing up the solution, you might be able to say something a little more precise, like, hey, the tone of that background color mm-hmm. is very similar to the text that's over top of it. And it just, it feels like it's a little muddy mm-hmm. that uh, you're kind of zeroing in a little bit more on like what you think the underlying issue might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can have a conversation around that. Mm-hmm. You know, proximity is a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like showing that two things are logically related and you could say, Hey, you know, the, the proximity of that text to the image kind of suggests that they're logically related, but they're mm-hmm. actually not. And I'm finding that to be a little confusing mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, that, that vibrant color you're using in the subheadings is maybe mm-hmm. actually distracting. It's kind of throwing off the hierarchy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Designer can hear that. You're not telling them how to solve it. You're just mm-hmm. saying like, I think I'm putting my finger on what mm-hmm. it is. And it saves you. I think actually, I think is a more polite conversation than saying like, this is a jumbled mess and I don't know where to look. And <laughs> well, it, like you, you just said conversation. And I think that's the, the thing that I have found to be the most fruitful in, in sort of critiquing creative work and sort of, you know, trying to give better creative feedback. I mean, what we're trying to do is facilitate 
alignment facilitate everybody feeling like the choices that we're making are the right choices, right? We're having mm-hmm. the right conversation. Um, so yeah, having the that vocabulary, I think enables you to have that conversation, right? Like mm-hmm. you're being able to actually exchange words and, you know, kind of get to the heart of what the problem is or or be able to praise like, oh my goodness, the, the color palette here is like striking. I love what you did. And the contrast yeah. is amazing. And yeah. 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 Um, no, that's... And That's even with copywriting, it's like, ooh, I know in the brief it said to have, you know, to be charming and whimsical, but I totally didn't know how you were going to do that. And you did that. And so I don't know. It also facilitates not only critiquing, but also I think praising mm-hmm. and building up that um, that trust to where you can kind of have these vulnerable conversations when you need to like problem solve. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's such a great point. And it kind of reminded me of something. I didn't write this down as one of my go for it things but it was just kind of the idea of like leading with the positive Mm. and 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 uh yeah there's a lot of you know like through the years i've i mean you can hear my voice i'm like you know you know there's philosophies about what is it like the the sandwich i hate the sandwich you you have a critique not a negative but a critique and then you end with it's like we're all human you know i think it's like I do think that there's great value in um, in giving praise and everything. Um, but sometimes it's like, you know, the designer has been like beating their head against the wall trying to figure out the right composition or the right yeah. layout. And it's like you telling them, hey, you, you did really, really great. And they're like, thanks, thanks, thanks. No, but what's Help going on with the helping this yeah. thing, you know? <laughs> so, um, I feel, so yeah, I, I feel like there's definitely when you treat like the, the feedback sandwich, I have uglier names for it, okay, but okay. you know, if you do that in a formulaic way, yeah, people are like, okay, now's the part where you say something nice right? and you're going to hit me with it yeah. and you're going to follow with something. So it's like, Hey Rachel, I love how you thought to put the logo in the top left corner of and the in navigation. My head, I'm that like, was okay, amazing. where's it? Where, okay, wait, what's the next thing? It, what's the next thing? <laughs> and then uh, we call it like the the ten thousand dollar butt. Yeah, but yes. and so yeah, I think that's really bad. But I I do find um, sometimes when I'm giving creative feedback, and I actually love like a million mm. things that are going right with this. But mm-hmm. now I'm zeroing in on this specific thing. I don't think it's quite working. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I occasionally catch myself and I'll, I'll make sure and say something like, Hey, I know it feels like I'm nitpicking you, but I just want you to know it's because so much of this is so right. Yeah. Now I'm zeroing in on little details that I think could be just a little bit better. And that's just a way to tee up. Like, I just want you to know you did a great job yeah. here, but there's some specific things that I think we should talk about. Yeah. And I, and I really appreciate you doing that because I've I mean you you do that so many times um in meetings and it's it is it's so reassuring right because I even catch myself doing it like I've uh not here at Echo Delta but in you know in another <clears throat> another job another sort of team dynamic um I had this just one stellar team like this great copywriter uh, art director combo and they amazing ideas always knocking it out of the park and, um, and they always came with so many options and all of them were always mm-hmm. so good. And, you know, just how the day, the work day goes, we would have only an hour to cr- kind of critique things, pick a direction. And then we kind of had to, you know, toss, keep combined certain things. So it was a bit rushed and I caught myself, um, kind of being like, okay, I only have 30 minutes. We went through all this presentation. It was really, really great. Have 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, pick this lane. To, and so I started critiquing it. 
but I had like so much pride for this team. But a few months in, I remember the copywriter came to me and said, Hey, am I doing all right? And yeah. I was like, what, I don't, what do you, what do you mean? What do you, and, well, I just, I feel like we just, you know, all I'm getting is like, I'm getting better. I feel like I'm honing my craft and everything, but like, what am I doing right? And I had to catch myself because yeah. I was like, oh man, I forgot to just hold space to say, this is all amazing. Hold on. Now we're honing in on this one thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you. It's like, so for me, because of that experience, I've gotten a little bit more intentional about giving feedback, be it praise or critique, even outside of like the hustle and bustle of getting a job done, if mm -hmm. that makes any sense, just to kind of hold space for like, I don't want you to think it's a feedback sandwich, right? Like I want, I want yeah. us to have it's like genuine. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. So anywho, just little side story there. Yeah. Give, just giving a little context for the, the critiques that you do have mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. yeah, that reassurance. Cause I think, I mean, you can speak to this more than I can, but because you do this more professionally than I do. Well, I don't know. I mean, we all have our different oh work product. Well, yeah. no, we, we all have our, I guess what I'm trying to babble my way through is that we all have our different work products that yeah. we put out there. Right. Yeah. And we, I think try to be professional and somewhat dispassionate about, I'm going to create my work product and then mm. I'm going to turn it over to the jackals to yeah. tear it apart and poke yeah. holes in it. Yeah. And, and whether you're sort of the creative in the conventional sort of classical sense or your strategist or, or you're somebody's manager, I mean, we're all, but we're all kind of invested. We're mm -hmm. all a little sensitive about our work and just that reassurance of, Hey, you did, you did good. 99% mm -hmm. of this is great. Mm -hmm. I also feel like, um, if you do the things on the front end that we were kind of talking about, you're far less likely to have to deliver like devastating feedback to someone late yes. in a project. Yes. And then, yeah. And anyways, mission control has to happen and yeah, have yeah. To go in and reset, realign all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, but it sounds like, you know, what, what we're saying, sort of that initial, if, if somebody is going into this being like, okay, how can I be better at giving creative feedback? A part of me thinks if somebody's pondering that it's because they've gone to a creative critique or something and like maybe emotions kind of bubbled up a little bit, or yeah. maybe there was a miscommunication and then we were doubling back to like clarify and all this other stuff. So, um, I think there's no surprise that both of us went to like conversations. How do we lay the groundwork? How do we yeah. share vocabulary? <laughs> How do we prevent problems before they arise yes. in the first place? Yeah. All right. Um, I think we're on number three okay. for you. For me. Yeah. <clears throat> Make it good. Oh, it's really not that. It's really not <laughs> that great. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, like, I'm uh, never doing a podcast with you again. No, I love it. I just, um, uh, no. So how to give better creative feedback. Um, don't be, I, I, I think, you know, we were talking about kind of the sensitivities and everything. I, I think it's about just give, just slowing down and just not being afraid to just speak your mind. Do you mm -hmm. know? And, and I think a theme that we're talking about here is kind of opening up that conversation and I think giving good creative feedback is about building that relationship with your creative so they understand where you're coming from, you understand where they're coming from, but you gotta speak up, you gotta start somewhere and just, mm -hmm. um, you may not say the right thing, you may not 
understand something. You may misunderstood the brief and you were interpreting it this way or that way. Again, I, I'm sure somebody listening to this was like, oh, I wanted to say I need to know the pixel width of this and the location right. of that. But I think giving better creative feedback is about just being vulnerable yourself. So mm-hmm. you allow other people to be vulnerable and just to get to like a good solution. So I think it's just about putting yourself out there as much as you're kind of making other people kind of put themselves yeah. out there. One thing is I was preparing for this that I kept coming back to is, you know, when you receive that feedback of like, I don't know what's something's not quite right, but I'll know it when I see it. Yeah. But if that's how you feel and you can't pin it down and you're like, I don't have the knowledge or I, I haven't been able to articulate what's not working, mm-hmm. but throw that out to the team and say, something doesn't feel right about this. Can we work through it rather yeah. than rather and and can we talk about what, why that might be? Can mm-hmm. you help me kind of work through this a little bit? My ideas are a little half baked, but I think I'm onto something. Yeah. That's kind of like yeah. demonstrating a little vulnerability. Help me problem solve this yes. rather than saying that doesn't work. I'll know it when I see it, go back to the drawing board, which is like the team can't do anything with yeah. that. Like yeah. You. So yeah. if you learn a little bit of lingo, you have good alignment on the front end, that kind of stuff. I think it helps prevent mm-hmm. you're less likely to end up in that place but if you ultimately find i don't have the words yeah you know it's okay yeah just kind of own it and i think that's where that that sort of um framework of what's what's clear and what's causing confusion yeah i think in lieu of having that vocabulary having the lingo helps facilitate a conversation to mm-hmm. kind of, well, this is working, but this isn't working. Sometimes that's tricky, depending on who you're working with. <laughs> that phrase, hey, this is working, this isn't working. Uh, you may get a little bit of, well, I think it's working, you know. But yeah. if you're if you're able to say, hey, this is clear to me, but this is creating some confusion, um, I think it just gives, it, it kind of sparks like an empathy conversation mm-hmm. of like, well, we don't want anybody to be confused. So hold on, let's talk about it. Like what's confusing about it and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, so anywho, so yeah, my three things were uh, know uh, the background. I teed it up with hierarchy because usually when I look at some sort of the order of events or order of elements or something, I'm trying to think through, okay, what do I need to see first? What do I need to see second? Mm -hmm. If it's that sort of project, but then dovetailing straight into that, I've started to kind of say, okay, what's clear to me? What's confusing to me? Yeah. And then facilitate that conversation. And then... Yeah, the third thing of uh, just showing up, making yourself vulnerable, will facilitate like a better vibe. Yeah. Kind of working through creative feedback. So you kind of, that last piece uh, that you said about, you know, kind of saying, hey, this this is or is not working for me, and can we talk about that? And so that kind of segued into my last piece, my last little yeah, yeah. piece of advice, which was trying to keep your personal feelings in check mm. and understand where you, you know, try and be aware of when you may be veering off into your kind of own idiosyncratic mm-hmm. feelings about something. Mm-hmm. And, um, I feel like there's kind of a lot to unpack there because I don't know what popped into my head when I was thinking about that was like the movie Zoolander. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody I know loves that movie. I can't stand it. Oh, I, I would. Okay. I want I just, it. Why? Wait, what? What? I don't know. It is so stupid. It is so stupid. Okay. When they're at the gas station, station spraying uh-huh. each other with gas. I'm like, I cannot, I can't watch that. Okay. But Anchorman, okay. totally on board with Anchorman. Also equally stupid, but. Yeah. Yeah. 
but but that's a great but that's but that's a great point though is like i think that um I think that's why I always go back to like, what is the creative brief? Like, what is the bigger asks? Right. Because I think that is the tricky thing, too, is this notion of creatives being a certain stereotype. Like, they're yeah. artistic or like they have super sensitive. Super sensitive. We're your all feedback. human. Yeah. We're all sensitive. You know, yep. if you're proud of your work and you've put a lot of, totally. you know, time into it, of course, anyone's going to be, um, uh, De- potentially defensive because again yeah, they've, they've invested, thought about it they're they invested yeah. yeah but I think going into giving be- better creative feedback is also trying to toss the stereotypes out the door mm-hmm. and just meet somebody where they're at um, yeah. so yeah because it's because it, at the end of the day it's like a lot of the creatives that I work with yes they have their personal style they have their personal preferences they have done projects that have been very successful in the past. So maybe that's kind of, they lean on those certain little shortcuts or those yeah. sort of tricks, but we're in a very interesting, cool industry where it's not necessarily all about us, right? Like we get to learn so much. I mean, just with us, you know, depending on your brief, I'm always learning something new about either a school or a certain audience or a certain um, interest area. And so I do have to be a little bit on, of like an actor or, you know, a theater person yeah. where you have to like really dive into that world and yeah. And kind of realize, Hey, I'm not my target audience. Yeah. It's convenient when I am, but, but let me learn about it and let's yeah. like kind of almost just explore that in a way. And so I don't know, again, that's why I go back to what's the creative brief. I think to your point, like about vocabulary, like what are the sort of technical parameters to where we can, it's not about what do you like and what do you dislike, but it is about what's working, what's satisfying the brief, what isn't satisfying the brief, and how can we yeah, get it closer to that? Yeah, you know, I feel like this thing that personal preferences can come up in sneaky ways. Yeah. Like one thing I've noticed, I think this is an advantage we have on the agency side, is we get to jump between a lot of different brands, mm. a lot of different mm-hmm. types of projects. But when you're on an internal team, and you're working with the same brand day after day. I've observed that very quickly there's like a, a boredom that sets in. It mm-hmm. starts out as efficiency. Yes. Look, we're all doing the same kinds of work over and over again. Mm-hmm. And um, it it is efficient, but then I think there's there can become a level of boredom and dissatisfaction with it. We've got to stretch out and break into something new. And that's not really driven by a strategy mm. that's not really being driven by the recognition of a need. It's just more like, no, we need some novelty here. And yeah. I think that can be channeled in productive ways, but I've also seen schools that maybe have like, um, a really distinctive asset, something mm-hmm. that appears throughout their marketing. It's like mm-hmm. just something that's really unique and interesting and they should be just, shouting it from the rooftops and never stop. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, but I'm so tired of seeing this thing in our marketing materials. And it's mm-hmm. like, really? Because your target audience was just now starting to tune in and yeah. pay attention. I yeah. realize you're you're so done with it, Yeah. but actually you need to repeat it. And that that's hard. Yeah. That's really challenging. I, the other thing I, I thought of um, was, I, I wish I came up with this phrase, but it's like the, the hippo effect. The highest paid person's opinion. Mm -hmm. If you are the hippo and you know you're the hippo, you need to be really careful about when and how you weigh in 
Yeah. Because your opinion might have 10 times more impact than you really want it to. Sometimes it's nice, right? Sometimes yeah. it's like, hey, I can I can get what I want. But sometimes it the the little side comment, you know, really throws everybody in a tizzy and yeah. maybe it didn't need to. Maybe it was just a side comment. And yeah, and I mean even within your internal team, right? There, there's just going to be different personalities and everything and even with myself sometimes like I I love collaborating and I've come up with collaborating with other creatives and it's just you mind meld and you explore different things. But in the last few years, you know, being in more of a creative director position and, you know, as much as you want to pal around with everybody and collaborate, there is a little bit of, of weight to anything that I say. I mean, case in point, sometimes I'll ask a question and my creative team is like, okay, we'll do that. And it's like, that truly was a question. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so again, I mean, totally to your point, it's if you are the hippo in the room, Mm -hmm. being mindful of that. And again, encouraging, hopefully you have the time span to like develop relationships and encourage a sense of trust and, and encourage a open sort of understanding of like, Hey, when we're in this phase of the project, this is exploration. Like, yes, we're critiquing the work. Let's push it. When I ask a question, I'm really asking a question. But that kind of dovetails into you as a person that is that you're critiquing work. Really be self-aware of if you're asking a question, are you leading the witness? Or, yeah. yeah. So maybe just say what you want to say, right? Versus yep. like, I don't know. There's different, you know, if you're... if whoever's listening, if you're in a field of, of, uh, being a creative director or sort of a creative mentor, uh, there definitely is avenues of thinking, um, to help encourage creative thought and kind of encourage creative problem solving by asking questions, but just kind of check yourself, you know, are you in a position of kind of mentoring and nurturing creatives? And so you want to kind of mentor and nurture different avenues of thought to kind of land at different problem solving styles or are you a CEO coming in and you're like why isn't this green and then they're going to be like oh crap like we need to make this green hold on yeah everything's green green." now (laughs) um so I don't know yeah it's it's uh it's interesting it's interesting the hippo the hippo effect but what so what is your like, what is your take on that? Like, how have you kind of seen that played out in different um, recent projects? Um, well, I think in, in some of the ways that you've kind of pointed out where maybe you think you're offering a simple question mm-hmm. and you really come at it from a, a place of like honest questioning, but mm-hmm. people think there's more here. You just want me to get to your answer, you know, and you're yeah. like, no, 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 no. And you have to reassure people. I'm really just trying to engage in the thought process with mm. you and um, you know, and then and maybe again, taking what to you felt like, well, you know, on your personal scale of one to 10 of caring, you, it might be a two for mm. you, but because you said it, everybody thinks it's a seven or an eight yeah. and we need to get this fixed now. And it's like, well, okay. Relative to all the things we're trying to deal with, this is not a big deal for me. I, yeah. I can let this go. Yeah. And, and it might even be driven by personal preference. I don't mm. know. So, I feel like um, sometimes it it's helpful, you know. You don't want to have to caveat everything you say. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes a little bit of that can be helpful. I would be interested to see if, because right, I'm coming at it from a total standpoint of uh, critiquing the work in preparation mm-hmm. for client presentation. 
but it would be interesting considering the audience of this podcast. Yeah. If upon hearing our sort of, uh, uh, insider agency, uh, conversations about critiquing work and everything, like, is there a line of questioning or is there a certain creative aspect that they're like, cool, cool, cool. You guys were talking about super high level, like briefs and stuff, but like from the client side, maybe, or from somebody working for, you know, not necessarily working with an in-house creative team, Mm -hmm. but their job has them bumping up against having to like critique or give feedback to creative work. Like what are their particular pain points? I don't know. It'd be interesting to kind of see. Yeah. Write in to Jarrett at Echo Delta. Write in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you can email. You could email Jarrett, J-A-R-R-E-T-T, at Echo Delta, or podcast at Echo Delta. Yeah. <laughs> or visit our show notes and leave a comment. Yes, yes. But no, seriously, like, it would be interesting because yeah, I'm yeah, such in sure. a headspace of, like, agency critiquing work, but I wonder... I don't know. I just wonder. How does it, yeah. How does that, what are the maybe nuances of how that plays out yeah. uh, in-house when you're actually in the, because I do think that context matters a bit for sure. Well, cool. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. No, It's a fun for, conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a movie night of Zoolander and I'll see you cringe. Oh, cringe. Great. <laughs> thanks. The Higher Ed Marketing Lab is produced by Echo Delta, a full-service enrollment marketing agency for colleges and universities of all sizes. To see some of the work we've done and how we've helped schools just like yours, visit echodelta.co. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, if you have a comment, question, suggestion, or episode idea, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at echodelta.co.